0: Here comes Schofield, oh, <laughs> nastiness, wait a second, driving left, dunking right
1: over Love. All
0: right. Who can do it! Well, I, I do like lanes.
1: That's what she said.
0: He's got everything going early on. Again.
1: Schofield the theft.
0: Hey, get up. You're my best Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time, soggy, soggy Friday in Knoxville, Tennessee time. Hope everyone had a Merry Christmas time. Hope everyone has a safe and happy New Year time. No change in the Associated Press basketball time. Associated Press poll, not a ball because Tennessee's not playing in a bowl time. Whatever time of day it is, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. West Rucker, Grant Ramey, coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on a late Friday morning, early Friday afternoon. Normally the podcast has been out by a few hours by now. But hey, it's the holidays for us too. We got holiday schedules. We got things to do. We're important people. Very important. Very important. Just ask us; we will tell you VIPs. how important we are. VIPs coming to you from a new look Fort Rucker Studio. Sort of in the process of changing things over. Got a new desk in here. Nice tri monitor situation working on. Mega desk. It is. It's the. It's the office mega desk. It's my fault. I got hooked on mega desk. It, it, it happens. You, you went away and... and Need I, more Megadesk. You went away. What, what was I supposed to do? Funny thing about this is, though, is had, we've had this desk. My wife got it to me uh, as a Christmas present and was very, very thoughtful of her, and I really, really appreciate it. But we're getting new floors put in here in, like, two weeks. We week can have two weeks. And so I, like a normal human being, thought, why don't we just wait till we get the new floors put in, then we'll assemble Megadesk. She had other ideas. And as we can see by where we're sitting right now, we can see who won that debate. Hashtag not me. Grant, was it a good Christmas? You also called her not a
1: normal human being during that process. Just FYI.
0: She knows that as well as anyone. That's not a mystery to her. She's not a normal human being and she didn't marry a normal human being. That's why we are who we are. God bless her. Do you think if she looked the way she looked and she were normal, she'd be with me? It's can a good we, point. Can we call that what it is? It's a good point. Grandma, was it a good Christmas at the uh, Casa de Ramey?
1: It was a normal Christmas where we get more stuff for kids than we can fit in the car, so we have to come back in waves with presents after <laughs> presents after presents. Need a U-Haul to bring them back I from need, down I 81? I need a U-Haul, and I need about
0: 1,000 more square feet of my house. <laughs> That's true. You know, you can, you can store stuff in the murder shed in the backyard we got here. Hmm. We can wrap it up so the groundhogs won't get to it. As
1: appealing as that sounds. Yeah,
0: who, who would want that? Guys, it's, it's been, I would say, normally I say, you know, it's been a pretty newsy week, guys, but but it has not been the, the newsiest, newsiest of weeks for Tennessee, if I can say that word correctly. Uh, there's not been a lot of movement that we know of on the Tennessee offensive coordinator search in football. Not that we expected a ton over the Christmas holidays, as we told you couple about a week or two ago thought that it might go through the NFL regular season and the college bowl games before things really heated back up in that direction and quite clearly Tennessee didn't need a, an offensive coordinator to recruit so now it's just getting somebody in there to to play with the new toys that Jeremy Pruitt and his staff have assembled. We'll keep bringing all of that news to you. Certainly we expect a, a little bit more news here over the weekend and and going forward possibly, but Uh, Not been a big week in that regard. There have been a couple of football news and nuggets to get to. Uh, Will McBride has found his transfer destination. Former Tennessee quarterback is going back home to Texas uh, to play for Lamar, which apparently is a college and not just one person. In Beaumont. Beaumont, Texas? I believe believe Beaumont if uh, the Google machine does not betray me. And Lamar's always that school that I see in basketball season because they're FCS in football, but they're Division One like everyone else in basketball. And so I always see them playing, and I always make this dumb, corny dad joke of, well, Lamar's pretty good for just one guy. It's pretty rough. Yeah, isn't it, though? Uh, you're the dad in here, and I'm the one making the dad jokes. It's a, it's a, it's a rough situation. It's always a good time to practice, though. That's yeah, true. You never know. I'm, I'm going to be an old dad. Whenever we have kids, I'm already 36. I'm going to be the old dad. They're going to be like, is that your grandkid? No, 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 that's my kid.
1: You haven't aged like a 36-year-old,
0: though. That's true. I'm like 36 going on 62. (laughs) But there's not been a lot of news other than that in that regard. Uh, Most of the news and most of the discussion in this podcast will be on basketball. Tennessee has played one game since we last spoke. Tennessee played Wake Forest, which no longer has Tim Duncan, but does have another legend as a head coach, and and Danny Manning, one of the greater college basketball players of all time, arguably. So uh, he's the head coach there and had a lot of turnover on that roster. I think he's had eight guys leave in the past year as he took that job, and he's been reshaping that roster. Uh, but it did have a five-star, which Tennessee did not have a, a five-star, but Wake Forest did. But still, Tennessee handily uh, took care of the Demon Deacons by a final of 83-64, to 64, and really was a little more lopsided than that. Wake scored, I think, seven or ten straight points there at the end of the game that made it look a little bit nicer on the scoreboard. But Grant, any, any thoughts from that game, anything that surprised you, anything that 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 really, you know, that jumped out at you from that game?
1: It's kind of this this kind of new-look team, even though they've returned so many players. It's virtually the same team as last year, minus a couple of guards. It still looks like a new team. This team is uh, so much more versatile offensively, so much deeper offensively because of – uh, I guess offseason improvement and how these guys look like different players. Grant Williams looks like, looks like a different player. He's using that high-release jump shot in the paint to uh, to really draw a lot of contact and a lot of n ones. Admiral Schofield obviously is on a pretty uh, ridiculous tear the last three weeks. Kyle Alexander, uh, he had 19 points. He could have had 22 if he made his free throws. That's a career high. Who would have thought about Kyle scoring 22 or even scoring 19, uh, yeah. this time three years ago? Jordan Bone. Uh, seemed like he was relatively quiet, but he scores 18 points. He has four more, five more assists, something like that, and uh, I think only one turnover. There's a lot of ways this team can beat you. Uh, Admiral had 12 points. He was relatively quiet. He had two in the first half. He had two in the first half. There's just so many different ways uh, night in and night out this team can get it done, and they're, they're showing there's a lot of different ways that they're going to rely on getting it done. They don't. It's not going to have to be Grant Williams every night. It's not going to have to be Admiral every night. They can do different guys and, and, and beat you different ways.
0: Yeah, the the one thing that that I took away from that game was how aggressive Kyle Alexander was on offense, because it's not just that he scored 19 points. It's that he took 10 shots to do it. He was 9 for 10 from the floor, as you mentioned earlier, just 1 for 4 from the free throw line, or he would have scored 20 points in a single game for the first time in his basketball career, which apparently his teammates give him Endless amounts of, and grief he got about. he got
1: called out for the missed the only missed field goal attempt, which was a yeah. uh, kind of a spin spin baseline toward the bucket, and he tried to lay it up, and it rimmed out. And Rick Barnes said, "You should have dunked that."
0: You're six eleven. Your wingspan is about the size of a condor. Maybe you should just throw that one down, Kyle. But I thought what was good to to hear after the game, in between making some Christmas jokes and talking about how much he hates fitting in airplanes, Kyle Alexander did mention that. In that Samford game, he thought he played particularly poorly. And the numbers weren't terrible. I mean, you know, as far as Kyle goes, he was relatively productive. But he just thought, and the coaching staff thought, that Kyle Alexander played pretty poorly in that game. And he mentioned a topic that was a story I wrote on the website this morning, or I should say Friday morning, regarding Tennessee and the fact that just because it it has these blowout wins – doesn't mean that Tennessee's played as well as it could play, which is something that I think is really important to note because when you're judging yourself on a curve, sometimes that goes the other way too, and this team can beat you by 20 or 30 points and still not play well enough to say, hey, we played a good game. So I think that's something that's really important to note because for this team to get where it wants to go, it can't sit there and say, oh, well, a 20-point win is good because a 20-point win doesn't mean you played as well as you could play when you're the number three ranked team in the country
1: and th- i think that trickles down from the way rick barnes coaches this basketball team uh he kind of he almost showed a little bit of emotion it seemed like in the locker room based on the videos after they beat gonzaga and that seems like that's a rarity for him yeah I was mean, weird. He, he was really uh, obviously you're going to be pleased when you beat the number one team in the country but he seemed very pleased uh, with the way that game played out and, and what they did down the stretch to win that game. Uh, but outside of that, he's a guy that's never going to be satisfied. I mean, even when you beat the number one team, he's going to give you 24 hours, whatever. Yeah, the, fil- uh, the film after that probably still was not time. Right, kind. right. It takes some time to enjoy it, but they're, they're, I think they very much take after the way Rick Barnes coaches this basketball team in terms of not being content, uh, knowing they can always be better, even if it's a 10-1 start and you're averaging double-digit uh, wins over, you know, the, the the lesser teams on your schedule and, and you're beating good basketball teams when you face them, uh, I think they're never going to be satisfied. I think they're going to always kind of nitpick uh, their own games. I think they're going to nitpick their teammates' games because I think they hold each other accountable. They're not afraid to talk and, and say that stuff. And I think it trickles down from Rick Barnes. And, and that's obviously uh, something you want. That's the kind of culture you want is is kind of always – looking forward and striving towards what's next.
0: Yeah, and when they watch film, you know, it it can be particularly brutal and it can get kind of personal because he's going to point out if you make a mistake, your entire team is going to know it and your entire team is going to watch it on on repeat several times in a row. He knows that sort of whatever it is, 10-second rewind button or whatever it is, and he'll hit that over and over and over and over again. He'll show you, this is what you did. This is what you did this is what you did. Hey, look, this is still what you did. He's going to get on you for that. And I think that's so important because if you aren't the kind of player that can handle that, you're not going to last very long in this program because there are days where you're going to think I played pretty well. And he's going to give you about 10 reasons why you didn't play as well as you think you did. Even in practice on Friday, you know, he was just going on and on to Grant Williams about something that he thought Grant Williams was smarting off, or he said something he shouldn't have said, or or he thought he knew something when he didn't. And you know, you heard Rick Barnes going after him about the ego again. And you have to be a certain kind of player. And and Grant Williams, in fairness, just sat there and took it. And when he went after Kyle Alexander, going over and over again about how you know you don't do enough moves, you don't do this, you don't do that. And Kyle sat there and took it. And they're not smarting off back to him. They're not. They're just sitting there going, "Yes, sir. Yes, sir." And that is the sort of mentality they have. And I, there are times early in his tenure when I thought, he's going to break the, the will these guys have to play the game. He's, he's sucking the joy out of this. But you have to be a certain kind of player. If you are wired the proper way or the way he identifies you on the recruiting trail as being this kind of a guy, then you're going to keep improving because you're going to want to consistently prove him wrong. And you're going to show him, I can do this. You say, I can't do this. I know I can do this. And they have that kind of a mentality throughout that team. And that's how I think you've gotten from a, a team with zero top 100 prospects to the number three ranked team in the country, uh, which is which is where they are right now. And, and that's a pretty good segue to talking about why they are still number three uh, in the country. There were a lot of people who thought that Tennessee could go to number two in the AP poll uh, this week following Kansas's loss last week. I certainly thought the Vols would be number two when the poll came out. And there was an outside chance they could have been maybe number one when the poll came out because some people thought, hey, they've got the best resume. Gary Parrish, our our colleague at CVS Sports, Mm -hmm. he and a lot of other guys think Tennessee's got the best resume right now out there of anybody. But when it came out, Tennessee was still third, not because Kansas stayed there but because Michigan jumped up. And, And I think when you look at this, you know, it's easy to look at things in a vacuum. We talk all the time about don't look at things in a vacuum and when you look at it, it's pretty close. You could argue that Michigan has the best resume in the country right now. So I don't think it's a huge deal necessarily. But I think, if anything, it's a good thing for this team because I think it keeps that chip on the shoulder. And anything they can do to keep that chip on the shoulder these days is something I think they're going to like because that's what's taken them where they've gotten. Right. And I think if that stays, that can't be a bad thing, can it?
1: No, and it it was surprising. I I, I expected when Kansas lost uh, at Arizona State, I expected Tennessee to move up to number two, uh, and I expected people to kind of vouch for them to be number one the way Gary Parrish did, the way uh, there was another national writer whose name escapes me. I think Aaron Torres from the Athletic uh, Fox Sports Radio was saying Tennessee should be the number one team right now based on how they're playing and nobody wants to play Tennessee. Michigan's a good basketball team. Michigan is a vastly underrated basketball team from where they so were. So well coached. In the preseason, right, in the preseason rankings. And and B-Line does what he does. They they went to Villanova and, and hammered them uh, mid-November. They beat North Carolina. They beat Purdue. You know, they've taken care of business to start Big Ten play, uh, which starts weirdly early in December every year. Yes. But I was surprised when I saw that. But when you looked at the vote count, Michigan got 1,472 points in the balloting system. Mm-hmm. Tennessee got 1,471. Tennessee got 12 first place votes. T- uh, Michigan got nine. I mean, you can't be closer than that, two teams. I mean, it feels like a virtual tie, uh, even though there's you know there's the, the one point separating them. I mean, you can't be closer. So when I saw that, that makes a lot more sense. If, if one person had voted Tennessee two spots higher in his ballot, they'd be the number two team right now. What's interesting to me about that whole thing is that you know tennessee had
0: 3 more first place votes i believe yeah. than the michigan did so that means that there are clearly i'm working on my math here that means that there are pretty clearly several people or at least a few people in the poll that have tennessee pretty low like mm-hmm. 5 6 somewhere along those lines because if not there's no reason why that that you know there's no reason why it just it just hired. works out because right. duke's going to be number 1 in most polls right now or a majority of them anyway so that to me was interesting. Of course, what does it mean? Nothing. Does the NCAA selection committee, when it's looking at seeds, does it care what the AP poll is? No, it doesn't. Uh, that that's not at all what it goes off of. What it is, it's about pride. It's about prestige. Uh, it's about maybe getting a 15 second longer clip on SportsCenter. Sometimes, you know, those are the kinds of things that 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 it matters about. And I I like the way this team goes about the mindset of saying, hey, it's cool to be ranked there. It's fun but it doesn't matter. And if anything, it means that you have to be at your best every night because anytime you're a ranked team, people are going to be excited to play you. Right. Anytime you're a top 10 team, people are going to be even more excited to play you. Anytime you're a top 5 team, pretty darn excited. Anytime you're a top 3 team, whoa, that's huge. Right. Like that's – you guarantee yourself a block on Center if you do that, if you beat that team. And you maybe make the tournament based off of that one game. So it's a huge deal, but what I've said for years is that's what makes programs like Carolina, Duke, and Kentucky so good every year. It's not, I mean, do they have talent? Of course, and the talent matters, but at the end of the day, they are everyone's big, big deal every time they go on the road. They get the opponent's best shot. They get the fans' best shot. They get it's a hornet's nest everywhere they go, and it's attention and it's focus. You're everyone's Super Bowl. So, when it comes time to one and done at the end of the year, those teams have been pushed, those teams have been pulled and prodded and poked and exposed, gone after with junk defenses, and you know, teams have gone after them physically, emotionally. So, they're ready to go. And I think that that's something that only benefits this team in the long run is having that sort of a target because. Rick can say what he wants about, you know, last year, highest-ranked team in the SEC from January on or December on or whatever it was. Okay, maybe. I, I get that. But it, it's, not, it's not something I think that it really got to people until, for some reason this season it seemed like, mm-hmm. then they became the big deal to play. It's like it's, they proved that it's not just a one-year thing now. They're a big deal now.
1: Yeah, and, and last year, it, w- it was a big deal just for them to get back in the poll last year. Uh, when they entered the poll in early December, it was the first time they had done so in seven years, I believe, since uh, December 2010, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. But you're right, when you're where they were last year, they they were ranked from early December and they stayed in the poll all the way through the end of the season. You're, you're a different... Stratosphere when you're floating between 17 and 22 or 17 and 24, whatever it was. Yeah. Uh, just kind of, you're, you're more of a footnote in the poll uh, at that point. You are a ranked team and you, you want to beat ranked teams and you want to add that to your resume. But uh, yeah, it, it's just a different, it's a totally different world when you're a top 10 team, totally different world when you're a top 5 team, totally different when you're a top 3 team uh, because you are the the guys that are circled on. George's, I mean, Georgia's coming here to open SEC play. They're going to have that That's, that's huge, huge game for them. That's a huge opportunity for Tom Crean uh, trying to start, you know, building something in Athens. That's that's a huge starting place right yeah, there. Yeah, his
0: first SEC game is there, and if he wins that right, game, then right. all of a sudden, bam, they can recruit right. better. Things look different.
1: I mean, and, and Alabama, and and you go on and on. And, and Florida and Kentucky, obviously, they're, they're probably not going to circle anybody on their calendar because, you know, they, they they do what they do year in and year out. But, uh it's, it's, it's a different world, and, and, and they've handled the expectations well so far. They've played well, and they've uh, – beating number one Gonzaga and doing what they did out in Phoenix, that was a big step forward. Now it's a matter of consistently can they handle uh, kind of somebody trying to, you know, punch off the ropes against a, a top three team.
0: Speaking of SEC, SEC play starting soon, I should say that Tennessee has – it looks like uh, the CBS Sports, uh, since they're our colleagues, we should mention this, that they did a prediction going into conference play uh, recently of how every conference major conference in Division one would go there was a uh, it was a five-man team and four of the five picked Tennessee to win the SEC a fifth picked Auburn and that's interesting because you know Auburn like a lot of Bruce Pearl teams is just kind of floating around there they're kind of floating around there Tennessee's getting all the attention obviously Kentucky gets a lot of attention Florida gets attention Mississippi State got some attention early in the season. But then you look up, and, and Auburn's just kind of there. And I know Auburn lost the other day to at NC State, uh, played Duke in a pretty decent game earlier this season. But that team's just kind of floating around there, and there are people who believe in that team. And, and I got to tell you, that team's got a really dangerous backcourt. That's a, that's a good-looking basketball team. So conference play, to me, should be interesting because you've got four or five teams there who maybe could win the thing which I think is pretty interesting. At least three teams that maybe could win the thing, and, and you could argue up to five.
1: Yeah, and I think it plays into Tennessee's favor that it's a decent start. Uh, they don't have to go to A&M to start it. They don't have to go to – yeah. Uh, they I think they've been on the road, I think, the last three years to start SEC play. Seems like it. Uh, they went to Auburn. They went to A&M the next year. I can't remember where they went last year. Somewhere to open SEC play. But anyway – yeah, I mean, you open up at Georgia at home, it's going to be tough going to Missouri and Florida back-to-back. Those aren't easy road, uh, obviously easy road trips. Arkansas, Alabama after that, Vanderbilt. Two might be bubble teams who might be trying to, f- right, to play uh, hard. You don't play Kentucky until mid-February, and then uh, you have them at home uh, early March, and, and, and Auburn isn't until the last game of the season. So SEC knew what it was doing there. Yeah, seriously. And if you can just get off to a good start, uh see what happens from there but but for once it seems like the schedule at least a little bit plays in their favor
0: yeah maybe you get a little little bit more respect when uh when things start changing and getting a little bit in your favor we'll certainly have a lot more to discuss as sec play rolls on there's a bunch of stuff going on there of course there's also a lot going on or, or you could say not much at all different going on depending on which way you look at this but uh, still, some news going on with Lamonte Turner, Ten- Tennessee's junior guard, the reigning SEC Sixth Man of the Year. Still, not ready to go. He will not be ready for Saturday's game against Tennessee Tech. That's according to Rick Barnes, who said that, uh, told us that on Friday morning. And I think the thought going into, or the hope going into preparation for for this game was that maybe everybody would come back from Christmas break, and then the guys would be available again. The whole team would be ready to go, and I think a lot of the guys did come back a little more rested, uh, which which is always a good thing. That's why you want to go home for a few days. Maybe not Rick as much because he got caught in the airport for a 16-hour travel day with some delays coming coming back from Austin to see the grandkids. But with everyone else, you you hoped that they would come back fresher. And with Lamonte Turner, you hoped he would come back and be ready to go. But apparently he is not. Uh, Rick Barnes said he does not anticipate Turner being able to do Uh, anything Saturday and and what's interesting is that Turner did less Friday than he had done in some other practices so I I don't know still exactly what's going on there apparently he says it's still up to Lamonte when he comes back
1: which doesn't make much sense but yeah the the, or it's hard to make sense of whatever
0: yeah this has officially reached a point where I'm a little bit confused and I, I I'm not a conspiracy theorist I don't know you know, I'm not one of these guys who's got the tinfoil hat on saying, oh, this is obviously what's happening and draw it on the board like uh, Glenn Beck or, you know, there with everything in the background. But, but you know, I, I'm not one of those guys. But it does seem unusual that arguably the toughest guy on the team is still says he's not ready to come back. And, and what's interesting to me, Grant, is that no matter what's actually going on here, the fact is the longer Rick Barnes continues to say this, the more you're gonna probably see some people turn on Lamonte Turner at some point, which is weird because Lamonte is normally one of this team's or this fan base's favorite guys because right. uh, he's hit so many big shots. But the longer this goes on, the more you got to think people are gonna start wondering what's up, right?
1: I mean, this is this is going on what two weeks? It feels like that Rick has said it's up to Lamonte. It's up to Lamonte. It's up to Lamonte. Doctors have more or less cleared him and said it's up to him to get back in it, work into it when he feels like he's 100%. Then he says today, well, nobody's 100% this time of year. Everybody's banged up. Everybody's trying to do stuff. And then at practice Friday, he doesn't even take part like he has in the past. Instead, he was uh, running steps around Thompson uh, Bowling Arena. And and this is not a – I don't think this is a situation where Lamonte is negatively affecting this basketball team. Oh, not in any way. He was on the floor before practice laughing with his teammates, you know, doing whatever – uh, it's just a really hard situation to figure out because no matter how you ask Rick Ward about it, uh, he's going to say the same thing. Uh, when you try to get more out of him, he just kind of circles back and says the same stuff. It's up to Lamonte. Uh, the balls in his court are waiting to see when he's going to be healthy. Uh, I don't know. It, you expected Tennessee Tech last game you have before SEC play starts when it kind of becomes that grind. You expected that to be – when he would try to get at least a few more minutes. That's kind of how it made sense, I think, in a lot of people's heads. And now he's not, and he didn't do anything in practice, and you wonder uh, when it's going to happen. But you're already a third of the way through the schedule, and he's missed all but three games. Uh, And now you're starting SEC play. So if he's not ready to go now, when is he going to be ready to go? I don't buy that it's – or at least I don't buy yet that it's going to be a season-long thing. I think he'll get back eventually, and and maybe he can find some – uh, normalcy and get back to what he was. Uh, obviously, this team needs him. They need the extra body at guard, uh, a, a ball handling guard specifically. Um, but it's uh, the longer it goes on, the harder it becomes to figure out.
0: Yeah, and I, it's fascinating to me because this is again one of the toughest dudes on the team. And I know this is the we should mention he's coming back from the second surgery on that same right shoulder, which happens to be his shooting shoulder. And so, if something doesn't quite feel right, hey, man, I, I get it. You know, shooting is a huge part of his game. It's not like he's a Jordan Bone who's going to be able to blow by everybody and get to the bucket, or, you know, one of these Grant Williams types who can just, or, or Eve Pons, who can just kind of bully his way through people. Uh, being able to kind of get space and finagle off uh, lanes to get off good shots and hitting good shots, that's his game by and large. He's a great passer. Uh, he does a lot of so many other good things. He's such a bulldog out there on the court. Um, but his shooting is a big reason why he's out there. And if, if if your shooting shoulder is out, no, not too much different from a pocket-passing quarterback who has a problem with his throwing shoulder, that takes away a huge part of what you're doing. Right. So it does have an impact. And, and you can tell when you watch him, when we watched him out there in practice, there's times where he'll go through drills and he'll only pass with his left arm. You know he'll he'll go through some drills where he's he's okay shooting and then somewhere he something doesn't quite feel right and he won't do it. I, I, from everything we've seen, this is either exactly what they're saying it is or one of the most elaborate hoaxes of all time. So I'm pretty sure that it's something having to do with his shoulder, um, because that's what we're paid to do is to look closely at things like that and figure out what's going on and. From everything I can see out there, it still looks like it, it's that shoulder that's bothering him. So I don't know when he'll come back. I do know that this team needs him to come back because, and this is no offense intended to, to Lucas Campbell, who is a really good athlete, kind of a sneaky good athlete, a guy who can you know hit some shots here and there, a guy who can play some defense. He's a, he's a good athlete. He's a guy who, who can help some teams, Um, but he normally would not be a guy getting a couple couple minutes per game, and right now it looks like that's what they're going to do is put him off the bench occasionally, and the reason they do that is pretty simple. Tennessee, to play defense the way Tennessee wants to play defense, that means ball pressure on the point guard for 40 minutes. Everywhere the point guard goes for 40 minutes, he's the head of the snake, and that snake is going to be suffocated. That's what Tennessee does. And if you want Jordan Bone to play 34 minutes or 35 minutes a game, he can't do that the entire time. So you have to have Eve Pons go out there. You have to have those rotations that Tennessee does a couple times a half where Eve Pons guards the point guard, Jordan Bowden plays point guard on offense, and they flip on on the other side of the court. So they can get by doing that for now, and, and if they have to do that indefinitely, that's what they have to do. But at some point – uh, you had to put somebody else out there or change your defense. And I think what he's doing is he's trying to sneak in a couple of defensive possessions per half uh, to have Lucas Campbell go after there and get after the point guard.
1: And and that's why he's mentioned uh, James Daniel and Chris Darrington the last couple of weeks, talking about how their absences, uh, those are the two guys, obviously, that didn't return on this basketball team. That's how that's affected uh, what they do. Uh, at guard defensively, and how they maybe don't, he should have tried harder to get Darrington to stay then, right? How they don't have the bodies. Uh, and and what, what helps mask this is how out of his mind Jordan Bone's been playing lately. Yes, uh, last two games he's had 42 and 16, and he's only had one, two turnovers, and he's played 71 minutes, uh, so he's only been on the bench for nine minutes. Uh, all you need to know about Lucas Campbell is he played multiple, he checked in and out multiple times, and he still only played a minute against Wake Forest, one minute, singular. I mean, that. that's where they are right now. It's crazy to think that, but that's where they are, and they need Lamonte back. And, and maybe you're right. Maybe this is not anything past what they're saying on the surface, that his shoulder is not – he doesn't feel like he can be himself, and they don't want him until he can be himself. But can he not
0: go out there and do what Lucas Campbell's doing if he can't shoot well, the ball? Well,
1: that's what people have raised uh, on our Hoopsville board is just play some defense. You don't have to play 30 minutes a night and, and do your thing on offense. Just get in there and play some defense. But I think part of that, too, is maybe shying away from contact and not wanting to go against ball screens uh, as physically and, and try to work through those like you need to, to to kind of play that brand of defense that they're looking for. But. I don't know. The more you look into it, the more difficult it gets. And, and maybe you're right. Maybe it isn't anything past the, the surface level. But uh, until there's until you see an answer with your own eyes, there's not going to be any answer. Well, Because I tell you, you can tell right now that teams are
0: attacking, you know, Williams and Schofield both as soon as the ball is tipped. And they're trying to get one or both of them in foul trouble to get them on the bench. And that's naturally what anybody would try to do against this team. But I tell you, if I'm playing Tennessee – And especially if I got one of those kind of spread you out, you know, one around four dribble drive based offenses that a lot of people run this day, trying to get downhill as quickly as possible, I'd spread the floor and I would go at Jordan Bone every single possession for the first three or four minutes of a game and try to get a couple fouls on him. And, you know, if he has to be careful not to foul you, then he's going to give you two points because you're going to drive right by him. Then you either you're going to score or someone's going to help. And when someone helps you kick out to the shooter or you dump down backside for the, for the dunk and you can do that. Or he tries to go after you. The ref is trying to do what they do a lot of times, which is control things early in the game. So they're going to call hand checks here and there. So you can get a foul or two on him really early. And all of a sudden Tennessee's kind of up a Creek because then you're going, okay, Bowden and then Grant Williams, I guess you're running the point for, for a lot of this game. And, and, if I'm trying to beat Tennessee right now, that's exactly how I would try to do it, I, you know, because people have tried to to kind of hunker down against them and it hasn't really worked. Uh, you know, people have tried to kind of zone them a little bit and that hasn't worked. Uh, now they're trying to actually speed them up, which is counterintuitive and I don't think will work. You know, if you want this this team to run up and down the court on you, they'll do that and they'll hurt you because you've now got rim runners like Kyle Alexander who will go down there and get those buckets You've got guys like Schofield who who can kind of sit there in that corner, and as soon as Bone breaks the press, he's hitting to him right there Mm -hmm. in the corner for that three ball, and it's usually going in. You know, there's just a lot of different ways they can hurt you right now. But if you take Bone out of the equation, if you make him guard you hard for the entire shot clock for a few times in a row, that's going to leave a mark. And he's either going to get – tired or he's going to get in foul trouble and that's how i would attack this team right now i'm not a coach i'm, I, I'm not an expert at all by any means let's let's get that straight away let's let's clear that up uh but I, I i i don't i just think people will start attacking bone again because i think that's what you probably need to do right now against tennessee
1: and and he's playing 32.4 minutes tonight you can't Through 11 games, you can sustain. They've got one, two, three, four, five guys averaging more than 27 minutes a night. You can sustain that for a while. Uh, But they've also had the luxury of dating back to early December. They haven't had a ton of midweek games. They've had a Saturday game, uh, a week off, play Gonzaga on a Sunday. It feels like a week off, play Memphis on a Saturday. Uh, They had, I think, a week off before the Wake game. I think they got, obviously, another week off with Christmas before Tennessee Tech. That helps and that helps sustain you and, and maybe keeps you fresher and, and keeps your legs there. But, I mean, you can't basically go with a five six man rotation thirty one games and expect to be in a good place no. uh, when the postseason gets here. And, and and Eve Pons has given them good minutes, but it's only eighteen a night. Fulkerson's playing thirteen a night. Jalen Johnson seven. Derek Walker six.
0: And they had a couple games there were Fulkerson clearly was not a hundred percent. So right. they so they needed to manage his minutes, and I I get that. But
1: but if you get if if. If Lamonte is playing and he's playing 20, 23 minutes a night like he did last year, I think he maybe averaged 25 minutes a game last year, that's a huge difference in your rotation. And that makes a huge difference over a period of time like the conference schedule uh, and and makes you a different-looking basketball team uh, in March. So I I think you can leave it up to him when he returns. uh, But while you're talking about the way teams can attack Tennessee's guard situation right now as it is, you, you need an answer sooner than later.
0: Yeah, and here's one of the rare times where I'm going to say I don't understand what Barnes is doing because normally I either completely understand or mostly understand why Rick Barnes and his staff make the decisions they make. Normally they make sense either then or in hindsight and you see what they're doing. What I don't understand, however, is right now you've got a situation where you're winning most of these games comfortably right now. Mm -hmm. You absolutely, in my opinion could play Derek Walker more minutes. You could absolutely play Jalen Johnson more minutes. Because Rick keeps saying that the the the, the game flow kind of dictates who goes in and out. Well, I think he's going to have to get over this whole putting some guys out there and the first time they make a mistake, they're going back to the bench. Because if you want to – because this is a guy who has seen the big picture since he's been in Tennessee. You know, he benched Robert Hubbs for an entire half, basically, just to prove a point to him that I'll play Brad Woodson over you. Coach's decision. Yeah. Did not play. Did not play. Coach's decision. Mm -hmm. But if he will – he normally sees this big picture, and that's why I'm wondering, he has to know in the back of his mind that this is not sustainable. Now, maybe that in his mind means that the Monte Turner will be back sooner rather than later, and and he knows he can get by with this for now. But – for the life of me, I can't understand why you're not seeing more minutes from Jalen Johnson and Derek Walker right now. Because those are guys that I think there is some upside there, especially with Johnson offensively. And you just kind of have to you kind of have to give him some little bit of rope. You gotta let them play. And I, I don't know what's going on with Walker. I don't know why he doesn't play more minutes. Um, I think he normally does okay when he's in there. I think he does a couple things defensively that help them a lot, and I think he um, he does get lost sometimes. He does make some dumb mistakes, but he also gets some buckets. He's a tough guy. There's some things he can do, and you're going to need him next year if nothing else, so you need to play these guys right now. That's what I don't – I'd like to kind of – even if it's just on, on background or off the record, I'd like to be able to sit down with Rick and just be like, man, w- w- why why are you doing this? You know you can't play these guys this many minutes throughout the season, um, why, are,
1: why are Grant and Admiral in the game when you're up 25 against Samford on a Wednesday night? Like, basically that.
0: Like, why Why? Why is Derek Walker not getting those minutes?
1: I can understand Jordan Bones has got to play a lot of minutes because he's got to handle the ball a lot. And uh, and even if he's not handling it, it's somebody like Jordan Bowden that's got to handle it. Uh, you don't want to put a walk-on in, obviously, in those situations. But, yeah, the guys you're talking about, scholarship guys, guys you're going to depend on in the future sooner rather than later, Derek Walker, Jalen Johnson – why is Grant in there with three minutes left in a 20-point game? Why is Admiral in there? Why, are, uh, Kyle, why is Kyle in there? I mean, get your minutes. Save your minutes when you can get them. You're going to have plenty of basketball ahead of you. you got time. You know kind of those are your known commodities. Figure out what you don't have or what you can get from the guys that you don't know.
0: The only thing I can think of is that he believes – that he's got guys like Admiral who already have nba bodies and are in nba shape. He's got a guy like Grant Williams who's already physically kind of got an nba body and strength with with bone, he's got a guy who sorta already has a next level body in terms of his athleticism and his strength that he has. Maybe he thinks that a lot of these guys you know cuz cuz if they're going to be if they're going to be pros at any level, they're going to be playing a lot more games than this and they're going to be playing a lot of minutes per night maybe. So Maybe maybe he thinks these guys are already pro, so he can trust on them to do that. Or, or maybe he talks to Garrett Maidenwald and, and Chad Newman and and the medical staff and those guys tell him, hey, they're fine. They can keep playing. You know, m- m- maybe he knows. There's no question he knows some things we don't. And I, I don't I think anyone who says otherwise is foolish. But you just wonder, like Grant just said, why are you waiting to the final minute of these games and of course, maybe he's looking at saying, hey, look at what happened when all those guys kind of backed off against Sanford and Wake. You saw it quickly that was seven nothing, ten nothing in the final minute. You do that for three or four minutes, the game changes. Okay, maybe, maybe. And you got to win the game in front of you. I understand that. But I just wonder if there if there isn't a better way to look at managing this. Or if you knew that Lamonte Turner was going to need shoulder surgery in the offseason, if you knew that going into it. Why did you not try to do more to keep Chris Darrington for another season? Because say what you will about him, the guy is a solid offensive player. He can handle the ball. He can go out there and try to play defense. And he's a guy who's kind of comfortable with the ball in his hands. So, to me, he would be a guy who I would think, well, if you knew Turner was going to have surgery, maybe you could have tried to convince him to stay a little harder. You know, I I don't know exactly – maybe he just wanted to go home and that was that, but I, I don't know that that was the case. So, I don't know. It just looks to me like there could have been a way to handle that whole
1: He's a guy that gives give you minutes. He's a guy that yes. can give you productive minutes. Maybe and, and, not and, and the no, best no, minutes he, in the world, but minutes.
0: And no offense to guys like Brad Woodson and Lucas Campbell, but, you know, Darrington would probably give you, on average, a little better minutes than that probably.
1: Probably. He is averaging – hey, Chris Darrington update, he's averaging 10.2 points per game in – what, like 16 games? No, 11 games for Toledo.
0: He gets to go back home. It's a good story. But Season-high
1: 20 minutes. He looks like he's averaging 16.3 a night in 12 games.
0: And scoring 10 points.
1: <laughs> scoring 10 points. He's very busy. What about his assist numbers? His assist numbers are uh, not great, Bob. 10.
0: <laughs> yeah, 10. 10 total. 10, that's pretty good. No, 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 10 total. Uh, and speaking of statistics, before we get out of here, I, I, I will mention that uh, – Rick Barnes was asked if he was happy with the way Grant Williams is rebounding because Grant Williams has had a couple double-double games. He's averaging 8.5 per game. And, you know, is that more what you want? Is that what you're looking for? And, Rick, you can pretty much set your watch by it Went no, No. he should be averaging 10. Right now he's – the way I look at it, he's 1.5 short per game. He is going to be on Grant Williams until that average gets to 10 – and that's just how it's going to be. And
1: Grant's averaging, like, 19.5 points a game, 8.5 rebounds a game, 4.5 assists per game. He's putting up, like, all American he, numbers. He's a
0: Naismith candidate if the season ends today. And Rick is killing
1: him in practice.
0: Killing him. Just murdering him. I mean, he's – and again, I know that sometimes with Grant, the only thing you have to worry about is that little bit of a ego thing we've talked about that smart kids have. And it's not arrogance. He's no. not an arrogant kid. He just thinks he knows the answers. He's just a kid. He's a kid being a kid, but – you know what? The way he rides him, it works. And, and I'll say this, too. He said this about Grant Williams the other day, when he, or he said a couple weeks ago, when he went off on him after a practice and during a practice a couple of weeks ago and then just spent like an hour reading him the riot act after practice, mm-hmm. and then one of the assistant coaches looked over at Rick and said, hey, he's going to score 30 tomorrow now. And he went out there, and he scored 30 the next day. So he can respond to that, and that's where it gets to the recruiting process. That's where it gets to you getting guys who you feel like, hey, I can push him. He's not going to pick up his ball and go home when I challenge him. And a lot of the guys who have left Tennessee have been guys who did not respond well to the way Rick Barnes went after them.
1: And that's what they look for in recruiting, and that's what they sell in recruiting. They are, uh, it appears, brutally honest to a fault in the recruiting process.
0: And that's why you had – Grant Williams telling, telling me the other day that he was calling Josiah James and, and being like, You sure you want to be a point guard?
1: And that's, that's part you, of you want to be a shooting guard or a three? That's part of the reason they got Josiah because they were in an open gym uh, during his visit or during some, I don't know what it was at Pratt, some kind of open gym setting. Uh, and he was working out for an hour. And basically, Rick said, You're getting lazy and you're doing this. And he's like, Most coaches are just kind of blowing smoke. Not trying to yeah. not trying to help you right there in that situation.
0: Not being like, here's 43 reasons why your jump shot sucks. They're trying sucks. to show you love, and Rick's picking your part. Yeah, Rick's saying, you know what? In the past five minutes, son, I've seen eight things I don't like about your jump shot, and here are all eight of them, and here's what we could do to fix them. And, hey, that is up front, right? There is no dishonesty about it. They're telling you we are going to coach you, and if you cannot handle that, this is not going to be the place for you. But. And, and that's
1: that's acceptable now because they've they've gone from uh, him being the third coach in three years at Tennessee and the Tennessee basketball program really being in a uh, pretty tough spot to being the number three team in the country uh, and projected uh, as a number one seed by guys like Joe Lardy and, and you know where they are right now is uh, what and how quickly they've done it uh, they can get away with whatever they want to get away with. Pretty interesting
0: though. Before we get out of here, a couple more things. It's pretty interesting to me anyway that um, that Ken Palm does not like Tennessee as much as it did last season. And and I'm a I'm a like basically I'm a I am a deacon in the church of uh, Ken Palmroy. Right. I think it, I'm I'm a Ken Palm guy. His stats are next level good. They predict so well usually how things are going to go. Uh, what we do and what he does both are. You know more art than science, but this dude's darn near making it a science with with how well he's getting after it. And he had Tennessee pretty consistently in the top five uh, for a lot of last season. Right now, it's not like he's he's his his stats are dogging on Tennessee, um, but Tennessee is just eleventh right now, which is interesting. You've got a an eight and three North Carolina team uh, ranked seventh in the Ken Palm rankings, and I know that's the schedule and that's. That is what it is, but then you look at it and you say, "Well, Tennessee schedules you ninetieth know, right now. It's not. It's not bad,
1: right?" But the the, team- N- the NET rankings or net rankings or however they're referred to, which replaces the RPI uh, for the NCAA this season, has Tennessee number eight, and that's behind a NC State team that's number six, Houston number five, uh, Texas Tech number seven, and you know what's interesting to me
0: about this game Tennessee's going to play. I really like that this is the game Tennessee's playing right after Christmas break. Now, if I had my druthers, I would have had Tennessee play two games coming back from Christmas before playing the SEC opener. I would play one team that wasn't very good. Then I'd play like a Samford or somebody who was pretty decent, and then I would play Georgia. But when you look at it, Tennessee's non-conference schedule, a lot of these teams from the smaller conferences that Tennessee has played or has scheduled are teams that when they schedule these games, they think – that team's going to be in the hunt for a bid in its conference. That's how they look at things. Because Samford, despite losing – I mean, right now there are three teams in the country, three power conference teams that have starters that transferred from Samford to there. So you saw Samford, and how much better could that team be with those guys? I mean, a guy at Louisville, I think a guy um, at NC State, and they got guys who are on good teams uh, who are starters. So, but, but what's interesting is this Tennessee Tech team in Tennessee is going to play on Saturday afternoon. Not one of those teams. Uh, this Tennessee Tech team is four and eight overall, and according to these Ken Palm rankings and again, I'm a deacon in the church of Ken Pomeroy is there are 353 teams right now in Division one. Uh, the Ken Palm rating for Tennessee Tech is 3:30. 330.
1: 330. That's rough. That's rough out of 351.: 353.
0: Right? 353. Yeah, 330. Uh, the Golden Eagles are 4-8 and eight overall. Uh, and I will tell you, they have been playing a little bit better lately. Uh, they opened the season with a 15-point loss at Memphis, 76-61 at Memphis. Um, and then lost to Presbyterian at home, 80-65. Lost at Savannah State by 16. Not a great night there. Uh, then played North Carolina. UNC beat this team 108 uh, 108- to 58, not good. And then, two days later, in that same tournament, the Continental Tire Las Vegas Invitational. Uh, this one's going to look rough, guys. It was uh, Michigan State 101, Tennessee Tech 33, not
1: ideal. They beat up on uh, Warren Wilson College, though. Yeah,
0: if they I'm can't, not mistaken. I will give them credit for this. They bounced back, and they did beat you, you uh, La Monroe, you La Monroe. 79-73 just a couple days later. Uh, then lost to Winthrop by 12. Lost at a, not a great Chattanooga team by 11. Not not one of Chattanooga's better teams, certainly. They've been doing some turnover in that program. Did, as Grant said, beat the tar out of poor Warren Wilson College. Uh, beat them 118-60. Beat up on Hiawassee 97-60. Lost by five at Kennesaw State, 73-68. And the most recent game was December 20th. That was a ninety-one to eighty win at home against Savannah State. So, not really what you would call a um, a good Tennessee Tech team. This is a pretty good game, I think, to come back. If you're going to play one of these, the first game back from Christmas break is probably one of those days that. It's it's a pretty good time to do
1: it. It beats going to Texas AM on December 27th like they had to do a couple of years ago yeah. or uh, the the late December starts of the SEC schedule uh, between Christmas and New Year's. Uh, yeah, this is a show up and win the game and nobody get hurt and everybody move on. Uh, it's not on TV. Let's go ahead and get ahead of the curve on that. It's on SEC Network Plus, which is not a TV channel. You can stream it on your TV, but it's not a TV channel.
0: Yeah, it's uh you can get it on your streaming devices if you have got Apple TV, Roku, uh, Fire Fire Stick,
1: ESPN app on your phone, your iPad,
0: or I call it as we call it around here, we call it the um,
1: Patrick Brown, Brown Memorial, the Firestick.
0: Patrick Brown Memorial Amazon Fire Stick, uh, brought to you by the Go Twenty Four Seven Podcast. Uh, Grant, anything else of note, interesting that you picked up during the week regarding basketball, regarding football, regarding football recruiting? You'll be obviously. Uh, You'll, you'll obviously be doing a little bit more of that, and there's a big, big time for Tennessee coming up here in the next month or so. Anything uh, interesting going on there? I know it's kind of a quiet week around Christmas usually.
1: They added Qu- Quivaris Crouch about, uh, what, in three hours after we recorded the last podcast? Yeah, great timing. Morons. I mean, that's... We were uh, morons. That, that's another huge signing of... Uh, we, we
0: did say we thought they would get him, though. Oh, yeah, podcast. we did.
1: We did. It, it felt like Tennessee was, was in the driver's seat uh, at the time, and obviously... Uh, that happened. That's I mean, that's a huge addition. That's a, that's a former five-star. He didn't finish as a four st- uh, five-star. He's a four, highly rated four-star. Uh, but he's a freak of nature. If you look at his size, if you look at his speed, I don't know. Yeah, how.
0: and he was banged up for a lot of his senior year, which right. probably didn't help. Had, and, his, some, and his high school team was bad.
1: Had some hip issues and, and had surgery to repair that. But uh, to, add, to add Aubrey Solomon like they did Friday afternoon, the last day of the early signing period, then to add Crouch on top of adding Eric Gray uh, the day before, uh, it, was a, it was a really nice 24, 48-hour close uh, to the early signing period for that class.
0: Yeah, and, and wasn't there uh, also uh, some interesting, a little bit of basketball recruiting news anyway, just a tiny bit of stuff that's been going on?
1: Uh, they are uh, expected to host an unofficial visitor Saturday. Uh, Cam Hay is a 2021 five-star point guard. Uh, I think he's like six one, one sixty. 160. Can he suit uh, up and give them some minutes at the he one? He might. Uh, he could probably give them some valuable minutes uh, from Greensboro Day. Go, go figure. He's from North Carolina, and, and Rick Barnes is going to recruit from the state of North Carolina. Does he play at a private school in North Carolina? That's He plays that's, at, uh, let's see, Greensboro Day Academy, something like that.
0: That sounds like a private school. If you are a good player and you play for a private school in the state of North Carolina, Rick Barnes is going to offer you a scholarship. Greensboro sorry.
1: Day School, four star. Sorry, I'm sorry. He's a four star, but he's the number thirty two overall player. Wow, in look class. at that!
0: So you're saying you think he's a five star, and you're telling Jerry Meyer that he can stick it? I would never tell Jerry anything like that. Are you sure, Jerry? Jerry's the man. Jerry Shout is the Jerry. Man. Jerry is the man. Jerry is absolutely, positively the man. Uh, we are not going to get to uh, questions of the week this week. We've already got uh, plenty of time backed up here. We will get back to that next week, and hopefully. Hopefully, when we return next week, we will have more news for you. Certainly, we'll have some some basketball games to talk about. We'll have some football news. Heck, maybe even an offensive coordinator. Probably not, but maybe. Don't stop believing. Like Steve Perry once said. Guys, thanks for listening this week. We'll be back next week. I'm Wes Rucker. You can find me on Twitter at WesRucker247. You can find Grant Ramey on Twitter at GrantRamey. You can find... Ryan Callahan on Twitter at Ryan Callahan 24-7. You can find Patrick Brown on Twitter at P twenty 247 Talk to him about some Amazon Fire Sticks if you want, uh, even though he got the non-4K one because he is, remember this word, kids, stupid. I think that's the right word for it. Uh, he is dumb. Just kidding, Pat. Love you, my friend. We are on Twitter also uh, as a staff at GoVols247. We are on Facebook. As a staff at 24 247 Facebook.com slash 24 247 Twitter.com slash twenty 247 Or if you just want to go to the full experience, you want the full twenty 247 experience, you can get that, as always, at 24 247com We are always there, 24-7. That's why our name is what it is. We're there. We'll answer your questions. We'll talk to you about football. We'll talk to you about basketball, football recruiting, basketball recruiting, baseball, Lady Vols basketball any other sport Christian Coleman you want to talk about him fastest man in the world we'll talk about him or if you want some life advice I've always got some life advice for you Grant also has life advice but it's it's not it's not safe for publication Grant any final thoughts
1: I understand nothing